Slow claps can go terribly wrong, or they can yeah. really, you can really nail it. Yeah, slow clap. That's, such that's a, a stupid idea. But <laughs> like okay. Once you once you call it something, it becomes dumb. But the first time you see a slow clap, you're like, I didn't see that oh, coming. Man. Whoa! It got yeah. faster and faster, and I got more hyped about hyped, whatever yeah. was happening. <laughs> And more people joined in. Yeah. It makes sense. The slow clap makes sense. But you're right. Once you name it, it does become stupid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, okay, hey, <laughs> that's just a fact. That's a fact of most things, I think. Yeah. Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put entirely at your disposal. All right. I feel like we're caught up now. Yeah. We got to think of like something to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> Did not see that coming. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. All right. Well, I'll I'll throw this out on the podcast. Because it's been super enjoyable, and I feel like I feel like I just want to say it. But I've been reading a new novel recently that I've liked a lot. All right, do you guys have any guesses for this? Um, can you give a time period? Civil War, The Killer Angels. <laughs> what is that? Mm, I guess that's not the answer. Uh, well, it's not the answer. <laughs> True. Yeah. Is that just historical a- fiction work? <laughs> Yeah, it's about the Battle of Gettysburg. Yeah, that's right. Oh, Killer Angels? Huh. Yeah, what's that guy's name? Who wrote those? I can't remember. But yeah. Civil War era novel. Mm, is it the one where Abraham Lincoln is a vampire slayer? Oh, don't tempt me, dude. That's is not that... it. But <laughs> Dang it. The next one. Is that a Mark, uh, Mark Twain book? Nope. Nope. Good. Oh, good call. I read. I will. the The previous book I read was Huckleberry Finn, which mm-hmm. was fantastic. Cool. Just finished that. But no, it's Little Women. Ah. Have you ever read that book? No, but I just listened to This American Life, an old one uh, about a girl who was basically kidnapped in Iran, and that was the only book she had, and it got her through like years. Really? Of, yeah. Wow. Wow. It's... And Iran. I want to say it was Iran. I think it, it was one of these things where she. I'll just I'll put the podcast in the notes of the show, but it was a while ago I listened to it. Anyway, not important. What do you like about it? It's just endearing. Like it's just kind of a timeless like story, and it's not. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not that far in. Who wrote it? To it. Uh, so, oh, Alcott oh, is her last name. <laughs> well, yes. Um, <laughs> dang it! What's her name? I can't remember. Google it, listeners. Google it. It's one of the classic. I remember seeing it as a child. I watched the movie. I don't know anything about it. Yeah, I don't. I didn't really either. My it's one of my sister's favorite sister's favorite books of all time. She's read Mm. it like four times. Um, but it's just so far at least. I'm not that far into it. But it's just the story of like this very loving and kind of endearing family. So they have four girls, and they're home with their mom, and their dad is away. I don't know exactly what he if he's at the war or if he's like doing something in service of the war or just the war is like has the economy that depressed that like he has to be away working. But so far, their dad has not like he's a very loving father. He might even be a pastor and he 
but he isn't like in the in the actual story. So there's no like big moral to it so far, anything like that. It's just the characters are just fantastic and and really really good. So I did not expect. I don't know what kind of spurred me to. Um, well, I bet what spurred me to to read it was there's a new movie coming out with uh, what's her name, Saoirse Ronan, the girl that was in Lady Bird. Um, oh, and she's yeah. one of the lead characters in it, and I was like, man, I've never tried to read that book, but it's kind of known as a classic. And I thought I would read like ten minutes and not like it, but I have very much enjoyed it. So mm. just a good story, just a mm. good story. But it's got me thinking of. I was talking to Sister Carolyn a little bit. Another shout out. I believe this is number three on the podcast. If she's listening and the podcast that shall not be named, I believe has given her four shout outs is what she Mm. told me the other day. So, Uh, okay. um, But she was talking about the, uh, the integrated humanities program at Kansas university, like in the seventies and eighties. Have you guys heard of that? Oh, yes. Oh my gosh. It sounds so awesome. Have you heard of it called again? I, I have not. No. I don't, it might have had another. It was some type of humanities program yeah. at KU, and I don't know what exactly they called it. But I know that, like, well, like Bishop Conley, who's the Bishop of Lincoln, Nebraska, he went through it, and that's like how he converted to Catholicism. At least I think mm-hmm. he wow. attributes it to to that. And they had all these conversions, but the whole experience. I don't think Kansas has it anymore, unfortunately. But was just about like great books and great literature and beauty. And so I don't know if this was like an exact example we were talking and she was like, yeah, one of the assignments like could have been go stargazing and then like write and try to integrate that experience of beauty into your life as like an assignment for this or read this great book. And then let's just talk about it in, in class. Um, so I don't know. I think we need more stuff like it. I know that for, for sure. But I've even thought, like, since that conversation, especially at Newman, just, I don't know, we have, like, community nights and stuff like that. And how cool would that be just to read, have, like, two or three people read a really great book and pretty much just sit around and, and talk about it and let whoever comes want to come and it'd be, like, Three Dogs North Live, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. But anyway, I just, I'm super intrigued. So have you ever heard of that program, Mike? No, no, I haven't. The Integrated Humanities Program at Kansas. I don't know that that's what it was. What it was called. It, I think it, that yeah. might be it, though. Integrated Humanities, but it sounds just. No, it does sound really cool, though. This is typical. Awesome. Three Dogs North this is where we're at our best. Is when we are talking about <laughs> yeah. something we don't know about. Well, but I, uh, what else are we gonna do, dude? I, <laughs> I would I, have nothing to talk about otherwise. <laughs> I met a guy up in um, Weird Connection woman who's working for me now her brother runs the catholic studies house slash department at university mary where i was visiting for like a week for focus uh new staff training where we met i met our team it was like the, cha- the chaplain week up there and the catholic studies house it's a department at U- university mary but they also have a house uh where they meet like the faculty and students for regular events and two of the weekly things they do so this guy donnie and his wife uh alicia and their two or three kids live there in this house which is this old house donated by somebody right across the highway from the university it's kind of back in the woods as much as you can be there's not much woods where they're at in north dakota but um they have a little grove of trees and 
there's no TV, no internet. They live like very simply and the whole house is built for community, like sitting around a fire. And they have a hundred people in there weekly for this dinner that they do. And somebody mm -hmm. from the faculty has to cook something uh, unique to them or to their culture or to their family. And um, they have students as the sous chef so it's kind of this enculturation of like learning how to cook and host and they assign porters and waiters and and then one of the students <clears throat> interviews the uh the faculty member who's hosting that day like about their life and their faith and their family and everything like that and everybody sits and listens and people bring their kids and it's this big like community beauty uh feasting kind of thing and then Every Saturday, they have what they call the afternoon parlor where um, his wife makes these scones. Like, she's a great baker and makes these delicious scones. And they'll have a fire if it's wintertime. And they also teach the kids how to split wood. And it's kind of like a remedial program in basic cultural and uh, <clears throat> agricultural skills. And what they'll do is they'll, they'll have, like, a uh, questionus disputatio or something. However you say that in Latin. And the kids oh, yeah. themselves make them up. Like one, one of the ones I can remember off the top of my head was, will we have scars in heaven with our resurrected bodies? Mm -hmm. Like some obscure philosophical question that doesn't really, isn't like to the heart of any um, burning concern in most people's minds, but leads to a lot of different questions. And they'll just have one of the professors sit there. They'll ask the question. They get like a minute to think about it. Then they give a five minute uh, explanation of what they think the answer is. And then three or four people get to object uh, or ask clarifying questions. And then they get another minute and then they give like a, a three minute said contra or whatever. So like the the scholastic method of exactly like, it, it is said, it right. is said, I say type thing. Yeah, that's kind of less, really awesome. a little less formal. But yeah, basically sure. that idea. And then uh, anybody who wants to volunteer can sit in the hot seat. And then they, they just have like this big basket of questions that people have uh submitted and then that Donnie's kind of combed through and picked the best ones and they just do another one and they do like three or four questions for about an hour and then they have they said that it's like the most intense curiosity in the room like everybody starts talking about really really deep things so that like the rest of the time is just eating scones and talking um but it's it sounds really cool and he, he was we were talking for a while about this whole thing and his life and what he's passionate about and Alicia too. And they, they kept bringing up this integrated uh, humanities program at Kansas as like this thing that um, fostered all these great conversions and people that are, you know, in leadership now and all the fruit that it's born. And it's really, really simple. And, but it's, it's also detail oriented, like the way that they want the house to smell when the kids come down the hill from college, from their classroom, like they come to this home and this is where their spirit is stoked, you know? Wow. Um, that's really, really cool. Yeah, it's really, really cool. And they're very precise, like you're saying. That's very detailed. <laughs> yeah, like smell. down to the scones and stuff. And hmm. uh, Yeah. They said, but it's funny, like the little things that kids get out of it. One of, the, one of the young women was a sous chef one night, and she was cutting onions, and she started to cry. And she goes, I thought that this was just something people said. I didn't know it really happened. <laughs> like, oh wow! They go, you got to eighteen and you've never cut an onion. That's wild. Not no. your fault. Not right. your fault. But now we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna raise you now. <laughs> yeah. Basically. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Dude, I feel like I've had so many of those moments. 
like, wow, people have told me about this before. (laughs) (laughs) And now I'm seeing it, man, that, that really is a, a whole mindset shift right there. Gosh, absolutely. Slower pace of life. You know, material goods are good, but they're not ends in themselves. They're, you know, yeah, like I was okay. watching the football game last night and I've been thinking a lot. I've been reading this Wendell Berry book called The Unsettling of America. You know, Wendell Berry, the Jaber Crow guy mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that came up at the end of a book I was just finishing on um, healing, spiritual healing. And he quoted Jaber Crow. And I was like, man, I want to go back and read that book. But instead of doing that, I just... Uh, Amazon searched Wendell Berry and there was this free book on Kindle called The Unsettling of America. And it's kind of his thing from the 70s where he lays out his whole worldview. No, you know, he's an amateur farmer. Well, I wouldn't say amateur, but a gentleman farmer. He gets his living from writing, but he yeah, has a, a farm. non-professional farmer. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he's just got a lot of kind of revolutionary ideas. I mean, this was in the 70s, but he's talking all about care of the land and it's basically an ecological or environmentalist, but he wouldn't want to get lumped in with a lot of environmentalists that just say like leave everything alone human beings are bad his whole ethos is that we're part of nature and our our kind of like the pope's whole thing about caring for our common home that the world is not like this pristine natural scenic thing that we are just ruining by existing and so we need to minimize minimize our effect on the land it's like no we belong here but we need to take care of it and have there are these natural cycles of energy and waste and mutually like death and decay and the cycles of the seasons and everything that are good and sustain us in life and we sustain the land alive and um his cold critique of modern uh civilization and urban and suburban dwellings where we just live in houses where we consume all these goods and turn them into garbage and sewage basically and don't nobody's like creating anything in their homes like they used to which your whole division of life and work and everything was on the farm everything happened in the same place and your education happened there and everything and now everything's so compartmentalized and organized but it's also so fragile like and unhealthy because without say petroleum or electricity or the internet or garbage men the whole thing would just like in 10 days if you took one of those things out of a modern city it would be chaos there's not the kind of resiliency and health that are in and that's represented also in the human body like if you don't have an immune system where you're getting dirty regularly like no matter how much antibiotics or control you have over your environment you won't be as healthy and um i think i guess i see that and i I was watching the football game last night which was sadly not triumphant for the bears but um the commercials and stuff there were so many amazon commercials and i find it ironic i got this book on amazon but it was the commercials, just like <laughs> all of these sort of freeze framed of people sitting in their home, like this kid playing a drum set with his hair spiked. It's like hair gel free one day shipping. This guy sitting in his couch, listening on his headphones in this, you know, sunroom, uh, noise canceling headphones, free one day shipping. And it's just all people in their homes glorying in some new gadget or possession. And I was like, this is the, this is the ideal. Just never leave. And we'll just bring you crap. Uh, And I was like, I don't want that. I want like Donnie's life. Although it's challenging because you have to give up a lot. I like like TV and I like the internet. But um, yeah, there's something there, dude. Like the little women thing. uh, It's the same thing when I read Willa Cather. Uh, Have you ever read Shadows on the Rock? 
No, but I have thought I've heard you talk about Willa Cather and same it kind of thing. Nothing like really happens, type but you just yeah. you inhabit this world where everything was dependent on nature and therefore on God, and people were more attuned to their spiritual nature because they had to do physical work. And uh, yeah, it makes you nostalgic for that. Dude, I'm gonna ask I'm gonna ask a meta question right here. All right, because. <laughs> This is <laughs> this is a brimmer question. Okay. <laughs> oh, hang on. <laughs> is I, I I definitely I get what you're saying, and um, it's an interesting thing to me um, that especially in the podcast we seem to talk not even around the same idea, but we like we love this idea of wanting to be obviously not just more human, but more connected to creation, more connected to reality. And so I feel like like week after week, not that it's a bad thing, but we find new angles and new new ways and new reasons and new roads to kind of talk about this same idea. Would y'all, would y'all agree with that? Mm-hmm. At least to yeah. some extent, maybe not the same exact thing. I think that there's different nuances to it, but why do y'all think we're so obsessed with this idea? Because it resonates with me. Mm-hmm. And like I, you know, I was going to contribute um, similar things from conversations with my siblings who like one of them is a master's level GE uh, engineer at GE um, is super duper smart, works with incredibly efficient and proficient workers, folks that are very, very good at what they do. Great engineers. And he was telling me some of the conversations that they have where um people uh essentially talk about like they there's no need for doing manual labor like the basics around the house that the majority of these people who are young adults young business professionals hire somebody to do almost every single task in their life Um, and actually i just saw a commercial for one i think it's called tact where you can hire people to come in and like rearrange your room or like paint your walls or like really, really basic menial tasks. They basically, they, they hire people to complete every single aspect of labor in their life um, because they don't, they don't find any, any utility in it because it's taking away from them doing their jobs. And Kev, my brother was one of 15 people who was around this table basically saying like, Hey guys, uh, like, don't you think that you like might be missing out on something? Um, and you know, it's centered around conversations about use of cell phones and Hey, it's, don't you think it's a problem if we have to constantly look up things every like second in order to know them, in order to understand them? Why can't we retain things? Why can't we critically think? And so kind of giving like a soft critique of technology and a soft critique of, yeah, a, a disconnect from a lot of the menial tasks that we have to do on the day to day. And he said every single one of the guys that he worked with could not see or understand what he was talking about. He said he they sound, he sounded like some medieval, like antiquated idea of like, well, you just got to get out there and work hard. Um, but nobody else was even understood what he was saying. Um, and and yet I, like I talked to Kev and I talked to you guys and it, it definitely resonates with me and it, it makes a lot of sense that there actually is value in doing the basic things. Um, like the, the little things around the house doing basic tasks, 
um, that actually do keep you connected to reality. They keep you connected to life. They keep you connected to nature, um, connected to other people, to creation and all these other things. Um, but why do y'all think that we come, why do y'all think we come back to that? Like time and time again? I don't know. I'm surprised actually that, that all those people around that table didn't get it. Uh, and maybe it's because I am with people of a certain stripe, but, um, Right. So he was thinking, he was like, what if y'all applied this? These are y'all. He was, you know, like y'all are people who have gone through four to six years of hardcore mathematical education, engineering and mathematical education that, you know, proofs and algorithms and um, like reasons behind why things function that you'll never, ever use but that you have to know as a building block in order to be able to do high level engineering stuff. And, and so, so he kind of used that as like a basic example to say, as an, as an analogy, you have to, you have to actually know and you have to actually do a lot of the hard work to get to, you know, where we are today. And so, you know, even to people who have been through this process of doing like rigorous minuscule menial mathematics so that they can do really high level mathematics he he even tried to use that analogy and yeah they they're like yeah no we don't <laughs> don't really care yeah doesn't doesn't resonate with us yeah i don't know that it's this is a reason but i i agree like everything's built on everything else and um if you don't have those building blocks like if you've never cut an onion but you know how to build an app um, you just are so dependent on a society full of people who are, who do know how to do that stuff. You know, like my sink in my kitchen broke this past week and I was basically dealing without water in my kitchen for like six days. And a couple times I glanced under there <laughs> to see if I understood anything. It's a very simple machine, your kitchen sink. <laughs> and I glanced under there a couple times thinking like, do I want to mess with some of these knobs or unscrew something to see if I can see what's up? But instead, I just waited for the guy, and finally, when he had some time, he came and put in a new faucet, and now it works. And I kind of stood over him, and I'm like making conversation, and just uh, he's an immigrant uh, from Mexico, and he, I was asking him about some of the jobs he's had, and he built houses, and he did some plumbing, and now he's just a general contractor, and he's my guy I use for everything at Newman. Uh, super friendly guy, but just knows how to do all this stuff I don't know how to do. Now, I went to school for freaking 30 years or something um <laughs> i know a lot of stuff much of it i haven't retained to your point mike like i don't even remember much of the biochemistry that i studied for four years in college but um i do wish i knew more practical stuff and uh i guess if you're really consumed if like you're working really hard and you do feel like i don't have time to cook a meal it's good that some person with a car is driving basically Uber Eats and I can just feed myself or my family and not have to worry about that thing because I'm too busy with this really important project. And a lot of the work that they're doing is is important, affects a lot of people. But I do, I just, I look at the world and I, I'm often bummed out by it. Um, how, like I'd call it secular, how kind of not godless in the sense of like amoral or evil, but just godless in the sense of a lack of wonder like your thing about stargazing with that integrated human humanities thing, I immediately thought, oh, what if I wanted to stargaze with my kids at Newman? Well, we live in a huge city that you can never see any stars in, you know, hmm. 
There are mm -hmm. a million little things like that you don't think about every day where your, <clears throat> your environment is basically artificial and there's not a lot of connection to something uh, that you actually depend on and you don't even realize it. Like this thing I tweeted about, I haven't tweeted in months, but we're reading Wendell Berry. I get, I get so annoyed every time I come up to this in the breviary that, you know, the intercessions at morning and evening prayer, that every once in a while, a few times in a month, there will be an intercession for farmers. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, protect the fruit of the land or give us good weather or something like that. It's the only intercession in the entire bereavery where there's an or protect our nation from evil or some, some more general non-farming related intercession. And I think this to me is like a symptom of our modern dysfunction that we in the city don't think we depend on farmers or we don't think we depend on the soil at some point for there to be chicken and bread in our grocery stores. You know what I mean? So like the whole connection of the universe of, of people with each other, of society and civilization, people to the land that I think, uh, just on a human level, leave aside the religious, um, why I'm surprised by the people in that table weren't more affected or, or feeling this kind of nostalgia is because every time I, like we got this new furniture in the Newman center for the, for the coffee shop. And that's part of the coffee shop idea too, is to make a place that feels more real more natural and we just got this wood furniture from this guy who i was connected with through somebody else and he does this for fun basically as a side job making this live edge natural wood furniture and immediately like people are wanting to sit there and study there because it just feels natural it feels like there's only one table in the world like this because this is from a tree you know it's not built an assembly line of of some synthetic material and then sold at ikea with plastic screws or something. This is a real work of human craft where I can see where it came from and I can see the craft that went into it and it makes me feel good. It makes me feel human and alive. I don't think they maybe would say it that way, but I think that um, why people like keep bees or hipsters have chickens in their backyard and stuff like that is to just feel some kind of connection in a world that's kind of gone. I don't want to get too soapboxy about this, but that's kind of how I, I feel when I drive down the highway and there's like four or five billboards for strip clubs. I'm like, this just isn't going to be the way it is in the resurrection. You know, um, the world's not going to have all this dumb garbage in it. You know what I mean? We're going to be more, we're probably going to have way less stuff, but we're going to be way happier. <laughs> Sorry to bum you guys out. You guys came yeah. in so hot. <clears throat> Dude, so hey, 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 but I, the thing is, I get it. And you know what? I can feel it um, because I it, it's dis, it's uh, like not disconnect. That's not right. But I, so I can feel it when I'm speaking and I'm speaking on a topic that I don't actually know what I'm talking about, <laughs> which Case is ironic. Point. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, see every episode of Three Dogs North. <laughs> Put that in the show notes, okay? But like if I'm giving a talk and... I have, man, this really is the podcast. Wow. As I'm saying this, it's remarkable. Meta. I've you done very little research on it and like can kind of work my way around with linguistic skills around the topic. But if somebody asked into this, like at the end of the day, I'm just regurgitating things that I, that I read at one point, but I don't actually know it. Like I feel, I feel unstable. There's like an emptiness to what I'm saying. 
because I don't really know why it is the way that it is. And I don't really see the connection with, with more important things. So I'm just kind of spouting off what's, what's, what I have seen or heard, but haven't actually integrated into myself. And it, like it does, it feels hollow and it kind of makes me feel unstable as I speak because I under, I know that I don't know the things that undergird what I'm saying, which means I don't really know what I'm saying. Hmm. Like, I don't even know how I got here. I'm just saying what somebody else told me. That's the epitome of stupid, you know? Hmm. And it's, and I, I think I don't like feeling that way. And you can in some way intuitively or subconsciously kind of get a sense of that and just be fed up with it. And so as we talk about, man, this is getting really philosophical and out there, but you know, if people want to be truly independent and want to be able to provide for their family and things like that, like I see it a lot with, with dads and families, like I don't want to have to rely on all this stuff because at the end of the day, like, I don't know if I can. And so if I truly do want to know that, like I can independently provide for somebody else, like I need to have a connection. I need to know what's under me. And if I don't trust what's under me, I need to like be established with something firm. And I definitely have that desire. I, I have that desire in my spiritual life and my intellectual life. And I think that's a manifestation of the same thing um, in the, like the work a day world, I guess is what you would call it. Because uh, I don't want to constantly be dependent on like s- <laughs> survival needs from from everybody else like i'd like to be able to take care of myself a little bit um which i think is a basic it was a basic desire and a basic instinct um yeah does that make sense that 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 kind of empty feeling or that unstable it's like you're on stilts you're like i'm just standing on these two facts that i know (laughs) i'm gonna be honest you lost me a little bit well maybe i can make this connection because i think it connects to something you were saying before we started casting rob about dependence what what you're saying or what I hear you saying is that we we end up like having to take so many people's word for it or depend on somebody else knowing the answer of why this is the way it is or or whatever. Like look at your phone, for instance, is this machine that you use constantly all day long. You have no idea how it works. If it broke, you wouldn't know how to fix it. Um, but you believe somebody knows how this works and they're building more of them, whatever. And I think human society, healthy human society is always dependent on other people. That's part of human nature is to depend on each other. Like, I don't need to be able to do everything. I can't do everything. But ultimately, our, our final dependence is on God. And that's where a society that's really organized and complicated, but really advanced and, and uh, prosperous and has all this stuff, like, you end up feeling really atomized because it's not obvious how I'm connected to these people who know this stuff. I don't know who's making my stuff. I don't know the blacksmith or the farmer or whatever who I'm buying things from. I've never met them. I just click a button and it shows up at my door. It's a very alienating feeling. And then on top of that, you have the insecurity of like, I don't really know anything. I feel like I'm walking through life as a fraud. I have this job that's super advanced, but like... um, yeah, I feel very unstable. And I think there's a, a wide feeling among our generation of like insecurity. Um, I was just hearing the other day, this is maybe, th- this was from my, Father Mark Bernhardt who came and spoke at uh, the Newman Center, but I think he got it from Father oh, Ricardo. Nice, dude. 
Father John Ricardo said that there was a study the other like last year that for the past three years, I think 2016, 2017, and 2018 uh, is the first time since World War One that life expectancy has gone down. Hmm. Uh, I don't know if that's just national or or globally, but uh, he says it's it's due to deaths of despair, like um, addictions, opioid uh, overdoses, suicides, things like that. Wow. Um, which speaks to a, a deeply alienated uh, people. Like we're not dying of of curable diseases that we've cured. We're di- we're dying of despair. Um, but it, it all comes back to I think this line. It was either from the Peter Cameron book I read or that Julian Caron book. But some CL idea that you can either depend totally on God uh, and then be able to endure whatever circumstances, you know. Uh, whether you're sick or healthy, rich or poor, if you depend on God, if that's all you really need or want is him, then you'll, you'll have him. Or you can be free from God and completely dependent on your circumstances, meaning you don't have to trust in him. You don't have to want him even. You can have your own life, autonomous, self-ruled. But then for your happiness and your fulfillment, whatever it is you're aiming at, you're totally a slave to uh, the world working out the way you want it to. And if you do get sick or if you're, you know, your business fails or you get fired or your marriage fails, then what do you have is nothing. And that, that I think Rob's grace, which it wasn't on the air, but I feel like the same thing. I woke up this morning. This happens to me every, every once in a while where you wake up and you immediately start praying. Do you ever have that? Where you just feel like this deep, feeling of like, Lord, if I, if you don't do everything for me, I am through, <laughs> you know, it's not, mm. and it's not like I'm, I've got a ton going on or any huge stress on me, but these things add up little by little where you feel like, I don't know what I'm doing. I am a sinner. I am ignorant of so many things and I'm thoughtless and careless. And I have this huge job of being a priest. Like, what am I doing? And it's those moments. And I kind of preached about that today. It's those moments where you realize all you have and all you need is Jesus. <laughs> That's it. And the reading today, in him, the fullness, what was it from Colossians? In him, all the fullness dwelled. Hmm. So it, it comes back to dependence um, in the end, but a healthy kind. You know what I mean? Where you're not dependent on this really complicated and tenuous e- economics of like, oh, you know, if the electricity went out or if the internet stopped working or the government turned on us, you know, the things you worry about. But then you got a Maximilian Colby who, you know, basically all that stuff happened, the worst possible circumstances, and he's free because he's totally dependent on God. Does that make sense? I don't know if I clarified that for you, Robert, made it worse. Yeah, that was a lot, honestly, yeah. but it was good. It was really good stuff. Like, that was a lot. Rob, what are you hearing? <laughs> what are you hearing? <laughs> I, that was, Let's get back I, to Little Women, shall we? Just so we yeah, we really just, took honestly, a space rocket there. Yeah, that a space rocket is honestly kind of how that felt. It was all good stuff. Like when you were talking, I was like, oh, yeah, 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 definitely. Keep it, keep it up, keep it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no, really, I mean... I'd need a minute. Yeah, yeah you guys process. are the only ones I ever, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I have plenty of people to talk to, but I feel like when we talk, that's your question was, why does this stuff always come up? Maybe, yeah. Maybe uh, well, because I, yeah. I, I bring it up or. <laughs> <laughs> Connor, <Yeah>. this. <laughs> yeah. I'm this a little is, ukulele. Uh,
<laughs> no. <laughs> Dude, where's the where's the was it the oh, steel the flute? Yeah. The tin whistle? Oh, somebody told me that they stopped listening because of this was a high pitched noise in their ear. What? There you go. Play the lower notes. <laughs> Play the sweet, sweet lower notes. Actually, I built uh, that ukulele. It's my my sister in law gave whistle. it to me. She gave me this kit to make a ukulele uh, for Christmas. And what's the date today? Oh no, it was yeah, it was for Christmas, I think. And it's now. September, almost next Christmas. <laughs> oh. I just finished it the other night. Yeah, it was cool. like it was one of those things. Like I want to make something, and here it was sitting right there, and I had to get some wood glue and screws and stuff. And it's a crappy little ukulele that can't stay in tune because the neck is crooked because I made it. <laughs> but <laughs> hey, I made a thing. You made that. You okay. made a thing. Right. So made a in thing. your face, the man. Right. You think yeah. I'm gonna buy that on Amazon? I, don't need I mean, Amazon. I did. No. I, I bought did, the kit on Amazon. I did buy the kit on Amazon, <laughs> but I made the ukulele. That's right. Mike, go back to your qu- what was your meta question again? The start of it the was, whole it, space rocket. Yeah, it was why do we like why as as a podcast, just our our group of us, why do we continue to return back to the subject? Because there's something interesting about it that we're clearly fascinated with. Yeah. Hmm. At least, at least I am. And you see, Rob, I wonder, you know, not that you grew up necessarily like, I mean, I guess you live next to a farm, but not necessarily working on a farm all the time. But, um, man, I was so disconnected from all that business. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I couldn't tell you Jack Dilly squat about where food came from or how to do it. And, um, and uh, yeah, I feel like you have a much deeper knowledge of that. Yeah, and you worked was a, a lot with him. You worked at his grocery store. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. You have a lot um, of practical knowledge, Rob. Hey, thanks, guys. And you yeah. hunt. Keep keep talking. I do hunt. Yeah, hunt. keep talking about me. This is great. Hey, well, this hey. is a, that's this is a Wendell Berry thing, is that farmers and hunters are actually the best conservationists. Like a lot <laughs> of times the, uh, the environmental type people that want to meet and had have summits and create policy are often not that connected to the land but mm. hunting this was a th- i think theodore roosevelt who started the national parks and everything or the mm-hmm. forest service hmm. was a big hunter and that's why he wanted to preserve the game and yeah. hunters and hunting licenses have done more for conservation of wildlife than any any uh sierra club or anything like that oh interesting huh yeah. i mean certainly is why i think i love like central Illinois. I mean, so, so much like where, where I grew up as part of that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I guess like back to that kind of meta question that you asked, the only thing that came to my mind was, I don't know, like, and again, it's, I feel like it's, it's kind of a turn, but maybe not, but just like we care about, or at least desire relationship, you know, which is kind of like the ultimate, linchpin in the whole in the whole thing at least like going back even before that of it's just funny because like i said i haven't read very much of little women and this kind of like you know old book that is just about these like girls growing up together like it just makes me it evokes a sense of both gratitude in my heart and then it makes me want to center my life more around relationships and less about things. Hmm. Um, and like, but in a way that just a good story can do like the power of novels or the power of, 
hmm. of stories. And so, um, I don't know, man, but it's just, it's kind of like just, and I, I'm also trying to, I just, I heard the other night, obviously I won't share like a word of it, but just, it was it, cause it's like so many graces happen, like with hearing confessions, but there, there's just an encounter in one that it was literally like, I, I remember it like shook me up, but not out of any sense of like scandal or anything like that. But I remember like having to relate it back in prayer, like immediately after, because I was like, that was the greatest feat of strength I've ever seen in a human being to be able to bring that. And it was just like shattering in the best way. Um, and it kind of, I don't know, it's just a similar like feeling or whatever that question kind of drives that, like based on relationship and actually like knowing others. Which I feel, I mean, I feel like that's what you're saying too, Bisk, is like other stuff can get in the way of that, you know? And maybe there are certain portions or certain ways to to grow up that, like, at least make it easier. Like, not to say one's intrinsically better or, like, that it, relationship isn't impossible in, in any of them. But hmm. does that does that make any sense, totally. what I'm saying? Yeah, all? yeah, for sure. And I And I think it does actually give an insight to, like, my brother and his buddies sitting around that table because... They're all hard charging, super smart, like very yeah. capable guys who want to perform and pursue a career. And like, I think in a lot of ways it speaks to like the things that we do hold most important is I think there is a call for a relationship and what my brother was, was trying to articulate, but that's not the most important thing oftentimes. And like, we can see everything through this lens of well, I, I like, I need to get this done so that I can do this job so I can make this money. And so it, I think it does speak to the value of things, um, where how could you see any value in those things if they took away time that you could be spending on you're doing your job? Mm-hmm. Like if that, if that was central and most important, then yeah, those things would be bad because they would be taking away from the thing that's most valuable. But if relationship is most valuable, then there's a reason for it. Um, but yeah, like you're saying, if 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 relationship is central, then everything everything is secondary to it. Everything finds its place in accord with relationship. Um, yeah, yeah. Hmm. I, th- does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. I uh, yeah, myself. I think like the hey whole- hey. Can y'all keep talking? Uh, I have to stop into my pastor's office. We ha- I have to run some dates by him. Uh, do y'all have to go? I can I can pause. I I have one more thing to say, but we can be done soon anyway. How mu- how long you got, Mike? I I well I need to go. Like I said, three about this time that I'd run some dates by him. Well, he asked me if he could do this. Do yep. y'all need to go immediately? It should take like two minutes. Um, can you wait? Can we just wrap it up in two or three minutes? I gotta go visit somebody. Yeah, let's wrap it up. What do you think, Juice? I'm 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 down with whatever. I'm good. Okay. Yeah, just real quick, the thing that um struck me from what both of you guys said is that the to me, like the beginning of this whole uh journey, if you will, towards the priesthood and through the church and everything like that started with a confession when I was like fourteen years old. Hmm. And um it didn't start there, but that was like this really big steering of the wheel in a different direction. Um, 
and it was by no means a straight straight path but i think what i what i felt there was something really real and like it was a time adolescence where you f- i felt very alienated from myself uh and from other people from my family you know you're just going through like a total identity crisis of who am i and what's what is this where do i fit uh, and then there's like shame and stuff in there and, and bad feelings about yourself. And, um, yeah, there in that little box, I felt known and loved and believed in, in a way that was like an unbelievably real feeling, uh, undeniable. And, um, I think that's what I've longed for ever since is, uh, hmm. that kind of real connection or real sense of uh self of like here's my place here's the rest of us and we you know and it it, you grow up and it's much more complicated than all that it's not as black and white i thought it was basically like the rules like oh you just do the catholic stuff and that's what makes you happy and um obviously it was more complicated than that and i was more deeply broken than i realized and it wasn't just a snap your fingers and go to confession and you're done um But that, I think, is what we all long for. There's this nostalgia for Eden where it's all back the way it was supposed to be. It's not like everything's different. It's just everything we see around us is restored to its former glory or a new glory that's even better than its former. But it's it's, uh, making all things new. And uh, any sort of feeling of disconnection, uh, is I hate it. You know, I want to build those connections up. I want order where there was chaos and... Hmm. and things like that and uh where i see that chaos or that brokenness um and to me now it's like in the little things it's visiting the sick it's teaching someone something like i felt like i had to teach myself so much uh and this is not my parents fault or even a generation's fault for not handing like onion cutting on but that sort of thing it just wasn't valued because it was all hard charging let's get let's get that degree let's get that job and let's get you set up to succeed so you can pay someone else to do all the bad stuff hmm. and we were we're like eh i want to live a full human life that's that's my thing is i want to be fully alive and what what i got on my knees this morning after getting out of bed was like lord i want to stop going to bed late i want to start exercising when i should exercise i want to pray you like with my whole heart and not be distracted by work or stupid things and I want to be totally plugged in to life all the time. And then when I die, I know where I'm going. You know, like I just want to be alive. Uh, and that's only, I've only ever experienced that through God and his secondary causes. Amen to that, man. When you close your yeah. eyes in the sleep of death, you'll wake up and know where you're at. Yeah. Nostalgia for Eden. That'd be a good name. I was podcast. thinking Space Rocket. I'll put the oh. nostalgia for you. <laughs> Space rocket, dude. We rode that thing yeah. all the Ooh. way up there. <laughs> Just I'm leaving took it off. I'm leaving it all in. Leave it all in. Leave it all. Yeah. Leave it all in. Yeah. Hey, all. you know, well, I did also have immense gratitude. Um, just, I, I just think all the times about a lot of the primary graces in my life of how I know myself and how I know God And you know what, dude, a lot of it is actually through like conversations with you guys and just like good friendships. Um, that's insane. Cause I think like, what if I didn't have, what if I didn't have good friends to talk these things over? 
because a lot of these ideas I didn't, they weren't taught to me and I didn't come up with them, but I know them because I've actually talked to other people about them and yeah, super grateful. Love you guys. Love you too, dude. I gotta get going so my pastor doesn't, dude, I got a a volleyball game tonight. Hashtag gratitude. Hashtag too blessed to be stressed. Actually, that's true today. That's true today. I know what that feels like. Dude, somebody could literally T-bone me and I'd be like, hey, don't worry about it. (laughs) It's all good. Dude, it's all good. Too blessed to be stressed. If I get a parochial. It'll make a difference. All right. Yeah. 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 We're playing uh, faculty versus students at our parochial school today in a volleyball game this evening. Bro. I'm about to be <laughs> slamming some volleyballs into some middle schoolers, dude. You know what just came to my mind is the scene from uh, Meet the Parents when he, <laughs> they're playing pool volleyball and he breaks that woman's nose. Yeah, right before a wedding. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. Don't wear a Speedo either because he's wearing a Speedo. In that. Hey. Right. hey, guys, don't tell me what to do, all right? <laughs> yeah. All, all right, right. peace. Peace. See ya. Love you, bye. Three Dogs North are Juice, Seabisk, and Michael Metz. Conversations have been edited to sound smarter. Audio and transcripts of this episode are exclusive property of Mundelein Seminary and may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Major League Baseball. Good girl.